thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. She is my friend. She's my neighbor. She is an incredible realtor in Nashville. Want to just give that shout out too. If anyone <laughs> in Nashville is looking for a realtor, where can they find you, Tony? Uh, well, I'm with Parks. I'm on the east side, and I can actually put up my information at the end of this. Yeah. So that everybody can get in touch with me if you need a house. Perfect. I specialize in our neighborhood, so it's perfect. So Thank you. If you need a realtor, hit up Tony. She's awesome. And the east side is the best side. That's where we both live. It's so fun. Um, right now, I was just telling Tony before we started this interview, I really feel called to use my podcast to talk about what's going on in the world, to be a part of the change, to just, it's important to me to use this platform as a tool for learning for everyone who listens and um, telling stories of amazing women and their journeys. And so, Tony, I would just love to talk to you about your feelings about, A, just like your upbringing, your life, how, where you came from, what you gathered from your experience now, and now the Black Lives Matter movement, being a black woman in Nashville, and with everything going on and all the cry for change in the world, what are your thoughts on everything? I would just love to hear your perspective. Well, first of all, thank you for calling me. That means a lot. Uh, it's taken me a couple of weeks to really sort out my feelings. Uh, it hit me a little harder than I thought it was going to hit, to be quite honest. And I'm really, I struggled with a lot of things. I, I did really well with the COVID. <laughs> I thought I was doing great with that. Uh, I did really well with what was going to happen in the real estate market. And I was at a really 
peaceful, easy moment in my life. And then this hit again and it hit me hard. It hit me really hard. Um, I come from Philadelphia. Uh, that's born and raised. So that was really a hotbed of racism also in the North. My mother was a civil rights activist. Wow. She went to school with Coretta Scott King and Martin Luther King. Wow. Uh, she was part of the whole movement. Yeah. Wow. And this was her life work. So for all of this stuff. to happen again, it just brought up everything. It did. And it brings up a lot of conflicting emotions, you know? I'd love to hear about those if you would be willing to share. Sure. Well, first of all, I think the most important thing right now is, is the dialogue that's been opened up and the conversation. And it's, and it's an awakening, you know? Or to use a little bit of dialect, it's woke. Everybody's woke right now. And I think that's really what was needed. And that's probably the difference between now and the 60s. I got to live a little part of the 60s. So, and it was also in my household. So I grew up that way. Um, I actually lived quite a privileged life. I went to private schools. I grew up in condominiums. So a lot of things I didn't have to deal with directly. And I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, uh, another black successful woman, and we both said that life had become so comfortable that we had almost become lazy and didn't have to deal with a lot of things. And the fact of the matter is, it's, it's been there. It's always been there. As much change as we thought we had, the Band-Aid's been ripped off, and we have so far to go that at times it's frightening, but I also have hope with what's happening now. So, yeah, I think that's great. And I think the way that you started is through dialogue. You have to acknowledge it first. You really do. <laughs> You have to call it what it is. You have to acknowledge it. And then everyone needs to accept their part of responsibility and carrying it forward and how we're going to change it. So what and we have to walk the walk. I agree. What has come to the surface for you that you said you had, it, it, you felt like you had maybe become lazy? What has, what has resurfaced for you that maybe we all had been able to turn, to, turn an eye, blind eye to for a little while? Well, I think once you get comfortable and you, you don't have to deal with the everyday things, like I don't worry about whether I'm going to have a roof over my head. I don't worry about where my next meal is coming from. I go out and I spend ridiculous amounts of money on food because I think, oh, I, I'm going to do local shopping. I'm going to buy this certain lettuce. And I have these options. So therefore it made me really lazy in thinking that this is not an everyday thing. Something that should be equal for everyone, I've now taken for granted, especially, especially for the black community. And I'm not giving back enough, and I'm not walking back and helping my fe fellow brother and sister, because that's really what it takes. You have, to you have to be an example, and you have to act like an example. And shame on me for not doing that. So I had a lot of guilt there, you know? I think we've all had, and, uh, I think I've had a lot of guilt because I thought just being non-racist, I didn't even know that I had 
I, I didn't even think about being non-racist because I just am non-racist. That's just the way I live my life. I've mm-hmm. never been a part of who I am. So I, in my mind, I'm like, okay, we live in America and it's the best country to live in. Like everyone has equal opportunity. Like in my mind, it's just like, I felt like it was one for all and all for one. And I didn't realize there was all these layers happening that I was unaware of. I just completely naive. And that's where I am sorry for not being more educated. So right now I feel like I am trying to just educate myself, have these conversations because like you said, we have to have dialogue. And I feel like it's been so awkward to talk about this because (laughs) nobody wants to talk about it because it's just awkward, you know? But it's just like, we got to get over the awkward part and just talk about stuff. And like, how can we all help, you know? And I, and I think it really does begin with us as individuals. And then it becomes teaching our children and then living our lives, living it by example, and then living it within the community and then not tolerating it. And the biggest thing and the quickest change is going to be policy reform. Because this is systemic racism, which is for generation after generation after generation after hundreds of years, 400 years plus. This has been in doctrine. This has been ingrained. So we don't even realize this is how we think. Will you You explain to me? We don't even realize. Will you explain to me from your perspective systemic racism? Because I feel like that is the word that has bubbled up during all of this, that all of us are like, what, what, what systemic racism? And now it's like being broken down. We're getting to see documentaries, like that all this, all this Mm -hmm. information is coming to the top. In your perspective, what is systemic racism and how does it exist in our country? So I love that question. And before we started this, I decided to look up the word. (laughs) I decided to look up the word racist I decided to look up the word racism, and I decided to look up systemic racism. For some reason, it's okay for someone to say racism, but when you say racist, that's like, oh, oh no, I'm not that. But a racist is someone who practices racism. (laughs) It's as simple as that. I mean, it's really easy. That there, there is no difference, and that is the difference. One is the action of, the other one is the person who does the action. And I think systemic racism, that word, it's institutional racism. And that has to do with everything. That has to do with the inequality of education, um, the inequality of power, the, inequi- the inequality of transportation, housing, um, down to small things of food. If you look at a poor black neighborhoods, what are your food options? Your food options are Dollar General, where if you have $10 to feed your family, you're going to go out and you're going to buy food for a dollar. Oodles of noodles, cup of noodles, things that have high sodium, things that have all these additives in it. So guess what that feeds into? That feeds into healthcare. There's an inequality in healthcare. Uh, most people aren't making enough money to afford healthcare. Now you're talking about, now you're in the poverty level. Now you're talking about jobs. What's the greatest equalizer? Education. Education in poor black neighborhoods is not equal 
to education in our neighborhood. You and I live in one of in a neighborhood where we have one of the best grade schools, where people are fighting to get into this grade school, and it's by zip code. Rather than being everybody should have access to the same equal and good education. So there's small things like that, and that's ingrained, it's embedded in our society. And those are things that are changed through policy change. The way our justice system, our criminal justice system is, gear, is not geared to the black community. It is not geared to help, to um, rehabilitate. It is geared to lock up, throw away the key, and get it off the street so we don't have to deal with it anymore. Not realizing that we have a big part and a responsibility in that. So there's, there's all sorts of things. This is such a massive problem because it's been going on for 400 plus years. You know, here's a great story. On Saturday, I went to uh, the farmer's market and I crossed over the veterans bridge, Korean veterans bridge, and I forgot that I wanted to go to Germantown farmer's market. So I made a right by Ascend and I went through a yellow light, but I started at the beginning of the yellow light, went through the yellow light, and it didn't turn red until after I went through. And all of a sudden, I see lights go on behind me. And I was like, oh my God. And instead of thinking, I haven't done anything wrong, and just pull to the side and see what's wrong, I started going through the checklist. Because now I was driving while black. I was like, okay, I need to slow down, turn driving on my signal. black. Exactly. Turn on my signal, put my hands on the wheel when I stop. And then I'm like, but I need to get my license. Do I get my license after the police officer gets to the window or do I get it before? These are all the things that are going through my mind. And I was petrified, petrified. And you know what happened? What? The police officer drove past me. Really? He wasn't meaning to stop me. And all of a sudden I just started crying. Wow. Wow. Because for the first cry. time, for the first time in a long time, being black was dangerous for me. Wow. There was a 50-50 chance, had I been stopped, I could very easily wind up like any other black person that has in the news right now. And it's I had not had to guilt. That wasn't even a yeah. and, and I wasn't even stopped. And I really, that just hit me so hard. And I went home devastated by that because I had had the privilege of not having to deal with that aspect of it in so long and not even have that come up in my mind. But when it happened, the first thing that went through my mind was, oh my God, what are the steps that a black person does when they're stopped? That can't go on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's intense, Tony. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. But things like this, like talking about it, and what's going on. So I think it, it's even further than Black Lives Matter, you know? This is a problem for the Black community, and this is about Black people. And I'm not saying there's not racism against other ethnicities, but, but right now- feeling, We're talking about this right now. Exactly, this is a, this is a war against Black people. And it is black people that built this country. Yes. So the very people that built this country, we are attacking. And you know, it's that old saying that the, head the fish starts to stink from the head down, not the tail up. 
Yeah. So we have to start with changing policies, the way that we look at each other, the way that we think of each other, the way that we treat each other. And we have to treat each other with the same kind kindness, the same passion, the same goal, and the same dreams that we do our own children, or else we're not going to survive. I feel like a lot of people who are naive to what is going on and the systemic racism aspect of it, how deeply ingrained it is in our culture, will say mm-hmm. their argument might, might be, well, everyone has an equal opportunity to thrive and survive. This is America. Everyone gets the same chance. Mm-hmm. Everyone can become successful if they work hard and put their heads down. Like everyone is, gets the same opportunity because we're in America. I feel like that is a very quick response that someone could say. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to that? Um, I respond to that by examples. First thing is education. It became glaringly evident when we went through the quarantine and schools were shut down. Some schools were able to do it because guess what? They had internet. They had laptops so they could teach kids at home. A lot of poorer neighborhoods and poorer schools, number one, didn't even have internet, let alone a laptop. There's a disparity right there. Education. Schools in certain areas that are black communities, they don't even have up-to-date books. And now let's talk about books and history. There's only so much history you're learning, you know? So that great equalizer education, there's not even an opportunity for kids to get out with that. And institutionalized racism has lessened the value of many black families and children. Most, a lot of black children don't expect to live past 17. And if they do, who are their families? Why would they aspire to be a CEO when they can barely go to the store and maintain having three square meals a day? Where the transportation system, here's another, institutional uh, racist uh, example of institutional racism so a lot of we don't have a proper uh, public transport system not everybody has a car there are buses that don't stop at certain places and the places that they don't stop are the places that need it the most or the places where they do stop the schedule for it someone might have to wake up and start their journey at five o'clock in the morning just to get to a 10 o'clock start date. There are so many things that hamper it. Buying homes, getting loans, getting credit, being taught financial responsibility. And these are all things that are at the core of it. And these are things that from generation to generation to generation have not changed, that are still the same. There's still redlining going on, you know? I feel like someone so it's, say again, I'm just trying to, th- for people listening who are going to have these reflexive comments to say back, someone might say, why does a black male typically fear that he wouldn't live past 17? Like, why is that? Would, would they, would the, would it be his fault that he is dying when he is 17? Like how someone might try to put it 
on the person whether instead of the culture that is happening. How do you respond to that? I think for so long, uh, black people have been made to feel less than. You're not worthy of, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very evident when I walk into a room, when I walk into a room, the first thing that walks into the room is my blackness. Am I proud of that? Absolutely. But when I walk into, when you walk into the room, the first thing they see is a female. The first thing they see when I walk in is black. And then everything else falls underneath that. And then whatever little programs you have in your mind, whether you realize they're going off or not, have all of a sudden been triggered. And now you're judging me from that. And the sad thing about it is that that should be something, a source of pride. That should be something of, oh, there's a black woman coming in. Okay. And all we want is equality. That's it. So it comes down to how we're perceived, the way we're perceived on the outside influences the way that you feel inside. Yes. And I get it. People are like, well, it's your choice. You could, you, you know, you can do this. If you just put your head down, you can make it. Really? Huh? Well, how are you going to get that job? How are you going to get that job when you show up in front of someone and there's one black person and 13 white people and you have someone who doesn't even realize that the tapes are going on in the back of their head, nine times out of 10, they'll pick one of the 13 white people. How are you going to compete when you, haven't, when you don't have the opportunity to have the same education as someone else has? When your qualifications only qualify you for up to this level and you have to fight harder to get to the next so I, I think it's all about equality here and leveling out the, you know, the, the game, leveling out the field. And that takes work on both sides, but really what needs to happen, this country has to change the way we treat black people. It's amazing that when you look at other countries and you think apartheid, it's like, oh my God, apartheid was so bad. I sometimes feel like going, well, what the hell do you think is going on here? <laughs> in the greatest country in the world, we, we still practice in apartheid. It's just palatable now. So Plantations, we don't have them anymore. But what did we do? We segregated to certain parts of town. You know, why do you think that you have urban housing the way you have it? There's a reason for it. Okay, let's put this all over here, okay? And we don't have to deal with it. And then what we'll do is your school system is worse. Your health care is worse. You have more crime there. There's no transportation. There's no way to get out. That's just another form of a plantation. That's all. But it doesn't mean it can't change. And it doesn't mean that I'm not hopeful. I am. Because I think this is much different than other movements have been because I think there's a larger consensus that's seeing this and going, whoa, wait a minute. This really is happening. Yeah. So how does this compare, this movement compared to growing up 
in the 60s with your mother who is an activist? I think there are more people involved with this. I think uh, there are more groups involved with this. And this has become a huge young movement. It's amazing. They are out there. It's almost like the baton was passed, you know, and they understand this. Um, I think the other thing that's changed is that it, there's so much, uh, you're able to see more of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. With the, you know, the we have television. Yeah. Yeah. You can't hide it anymore. Yep. And you can't turn away from it. Yep. So even if you don't want to deal with it, you're bombarded with it 24 seven. So I think social media has been a huge change in this. Well, this and the other side positive, honestly, a lot of people say social media is a negative thing, but this, in this case, this is a positive because you can't escape it. You can't turn it off. You have to acknowledge this is happening. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that you agree with everything that you're saying, saying. It doesn't mean that you agree with all of the media outlets, but media is there now, and it's in the forefront. And I think that made a big difference. I really did. Because it makes it really hard to sit back and ignore it. Yeah. And it triggers. And then I think the other thing really is the generation that's really taken over this cause. I, I'm, I'm really moved by how many people are affected by this and how many people are fighting so hard for this young old black white asian you name it whatever this is a cause and it's become a humanitarian cause and i think that's what needed to happen yeah you know that really changed to really change and make the shift if your business needs a new application then developers will have to write code a lot of code if an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. So how, if you could write the laws to make it, how do, what would be the change 
that needs to happen from the top down? How do, what needs to happen there to make it just an equal playing field? That's just <laughs> That's a big question or anything. <laughs> That's a, you know what? If, if I had the answer, <laughs> I would definitely run for office. That would be number one. <laughs> I think the number one thing though is the one power that we have that even though we have voter suppression still, and that's another form of institutional racism, to take that right that you have and don't let anyone stop you from doing it and go vote. You don't like what's going on, vote people out. You want a law put into existence, vote it in. Mm -hmm. To realize that that one little bit of power you do whatever you have to do to hold on to it and then execute that power and be educated about what you want, what laws are, what's going on in your city. So be educated about what you're voting for, who you're voting for, what's going on. What do you want done in your communities? What do you want done in your country? What do you want done for you? And go out and vote for it and don't let anybody stop you. Go to a polling house. It's closed, fine, I'll go to the next one. You're not registered. I need this, complain. If somebody's telling you you can't use your driver's license, go to a news station. Get them involved, get the light shining on it. But you get out and you go vote and that's where you can make the change. Because at, at the end of the day, we can control who's in office and what we like and don't like. We even have the power to sit there and go, you know what, I'm done with this. I don't like what's going on now. We can fire you, <laughs> you know? So I think that's a really big thing. That's how I would change it. And really think about what needs to be changed. How do you change institutional racism? Well, there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's so many things that you have to change, it's not even funny. If you wanna change about education, Work on changing laws about how your property taxes are used to pay for education. There's a reason that where we live, we have a great school, the property taxes that we pay. There's a reason why in Belmede you have great public schools, the property taxes that they pay. Well, maybe we need to start working on property taxes aren't just for that neighborhood. There's a pool where it's divided. And that's the way it works. Maybe we need to think about that, but that's all about voting and that's all about policy reform. Talk to me about voter suppression. How, how is that still a thing? <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing? So what are the qualifications that you need in order to vote? You and I, it's easy. I just take my driver's license and I go and, you know, I take, if I didn't have my driver's license, I'd take, my birth certificate, I'd register to vote, I know how to do all this. What if you don't have a driver's license? What about people who don't have mailboxes? What about people who don't have regular addresses? Poor people don't live like everybody else lives, <laughs> you know? It's a lot harder to communicate with them. So I, I think if that's- have, If you don't have a license and if you don't have an address, really, then you, you're out. Yeah, and why do you not have the right to vote just because you don't have a driver's license, just because you don't have an address, just because you might have a P.O. box? You might be homeless. Does that mean that I don't have a right to vote 
or who I want in office. There are other suppression tactics that are done. How about long lines? How about things like that? How about people who can't afford to take off to go vote? And now you want to get rid of mail-in ballots. Mm -hmm. How about people who can't make it to a poll? There are all sorts of subtle voter suppressions, but it's our job as a community and as humans to make sure that we get information out there. And that's how social media, that's how mainstream media, that's how the news, reading things, talking to people, go knock on your neighbor's door, ask them if they need a ride to go vote. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah. And yes, it still goes on. That was evidenced in Georgia, you know, when they were shutting down and people, and people don't realize that's voter suppression that goes on all over. So what's really interesting is that black history is taken out and it's, it's separated. Black history isn't black history. Black history is American history, American history. As much of every that's in those history books that we're teaching our kids, half of that book should be filled up by black history because black history is American history. Without black history, we wouldn't have an America. And it starts with the kidnapping of millions of black people and then brought to this country and enslaved. Start the history there. It was the transatlantic slave trade. They brought them to this country Of the slaves, of the black people that made it, they were then enslaved in this country. When slavery was abolished, it then took two and a half more years for certain states to even adhere to that. And once black people were given property, because the value of a man was equal to the property that you owned or the fact that you could even own property. And that was one of the laws that when you were a slave, you were not allowed to own property because basically you weren't a human being. And even when those laws were changed, there was only so much, you, the black man was only given a little bit of property. And guess what that said? That said, well, you're not quite human yet. So you can't have all of this property. And that's the mentality that has gone from decade to decade to decade to decade, that's always been underlying. You're not human, so you don't deserve this. So you can be treated like that. Your property, that's why, I think they just did a statistic about how much property black America owns, and it might be 7%. It's either seven or 13%. How the hell do you go with one group of people only owing, owning 7 to 13% of the property in the United States of America? Where's your value there? Where's your power? So it's an interesting thing to look at. There's a lot to solve. <laughs> but like I said, I am hopeful because I think it all starts by the dialogue. It all starts by acknowledgement. And then it all starts by doing what we can do, recognizing what needs to be changed and then change it. Like it can't stop now. Yeah. So this is good what you're doing here. Well, I appreciate it. I feel completely like nervous and like I'm fumbling through this because it's such a big topic and I respect the heaviness of it so much. I don't want to misstep and I don't want to say something stupid or wrong or ignorant 
But like I was talking to my friend Amara, she's like, you're going to probably say something stupid. You're probably going to say something <laughs> ignorant. But the point is just to start talking. And that's why it's so important to me to talk to my incredible black friends in particular right now at this moment in time, because I want to hear your perspective and I want to hear your voice and your thought on it to broaden my mind and to broaden anyone's mind who's listening to this just so we can get comfortable talking about this and talking mm -hmm. about how can we make changes in our daily lives to help push this movement forward. Well, I think that's a great way to look at it. And I love the other part about being messy. So there's that saying that success is messy. Yeah, it is. So what? Yeah, <laughs> I don't mind the mess. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and you actually the conversation that you have with your other friend, my friend Mickey Guyton was part of that. And yes. she has been pushing for this for a long time being a black woman in the country music scene. When she started and having to break into it and then having to take back what's hers and make sure this is her her story, her truth, I think is brilliant. And I love what she's doing. Mickey has been a voice, a powerful voice for as long as she, like you said, has been in the country music industry. And she never has quieted herself and she's never been scared to speak out. And I yep. am so just amazed and excited to see where her voice will continue to go because I really do think she's being poised as a leader in country music right now and she has a message and she has a powerful song black like me out and she's acting in love and she's showing us an example of how we can bridge this gap just like you are just like Amara is just like all of these incredible black men and women are but now it's like like you said, all of us need to be a part of this movement. We mm -hmm. all need to be a part of it. It's going to take us all just to change yep. the way we think or have like been deep little things, just like you said, embedded in us that we don't even realize. We need to reprogram ourselves because we just need all of us to be a part of this. Yes, and we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with ourselves. It's not pretty. It really isn't. And nobody wants to sit back and know that they've had a part in this. I don't want to sit back and know that I've had a part in this, especially with my mother being such, she was an activist, you know? I don't want to sit back. I have my own little triggers of racism, you know? How I view other black people. I didn't think I had racism going on, but I do. I can't lie. There have been moments when I've walked down the street and if I see four young black men walking down one side of the street dressed one way and I see four non-black men walking down the street dressed the same way, what does my mind say? Which side of the street is safer to walk on? And I have to be honest. What is my answer? I don't know. Now my answer might be different. But there have been times when... But that's the point. Yeah. That's the good point is to like realize why did we feel that way? Why have we, why did we have those thoughts in our head and how can we change it? Yes. And that's what I mean by everyone has to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it took me the two weeks, like really shook me up. I was like, what part have I played in this? Has my silence played a part in it? Has my being so wrapped up in my life and not thinking about anything else 
paid a part of it? Have I not paid my dues? Have I not been doing what I'm supposed to do? And a lot of the answers to that was yes. And that was a day of reckoning for me. So, yeah. So what has changed in you since that day? I'm more aware. And I'm more responsible for how I navigate and go through this life and more intentional. And I'm speaking out. If I hear something that's not right, there might have been a moment where I would have been like, you know, I'll just like shake my head and walk around. I'm like, yep, nope, sorry. <laughs> not going to let that go by. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to take the I'm sorry out of that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm it's also, sorry. exactly. I'm not sorry. It's also discussing it too. Like sometimes your first reaction is to be angry and just to shut down and be angry. I'm learning to be still for a moment, absorb it, and then start the dialogue. That's, that's really, that's. And really, that changes everything. That's big of you, Tony, because it is easy to want to be angry, but it's so powerful when you can actually calmly explain your perspective. People listen, you know? Well, you, they, I feel like they listen more. Yeah, well, I think the anger gets the attention. Yeah. But you have to do something after that. Now, once the anger gets the attention, how are you going to hold the attention? And how are you going to make a change? And that's listening on both sides, going back and forth. Because I believe a lot of this comes out of ignorance. Yes. You know? And old habits that have just been passed down. Yep, tapes. We all have tapes. <laughs> And, hardest thing in the world to change and not being intentional and checking our own selves and that's where i feel like we all need to be like okay what are my beliefs what do i stand for how do i want to be a part of this not just like what i've grown up in or mm -hmm. experienced that i've just happened to be in like i'm actually got to take accountability for myself and i think everyone has to do that take accountability for yourself and why do you hold beliefs examine them clear them out that if they need clear, mm -hmm. clear them out. And it's hard work. It, it is, is hard work. work. And it's work. <laughs> but guess what? That's what change is all about. And most of all, it's messy. It's really friggin' messy. Yep. <laughs> but that's okay. Because out of mess comes something better. Mm -hmm. So we have to go through all of this messiness. Because it's been 400 plus years of mess. It's gonna be messy. And still can, it's gonna be messy. But this is a way of cleaning up. This is a way of realizing what's going on for both you and me and our community. It is. It's a great awakening. I feel it. I feel like the, the 2020 has been a <laughs> year of the awakening. Like it is like yeah. God, the universe, the higher power is like, okay. Here we go. We're getting to it. Oh, we're going to go yep. we're gonna start peeling these layers back and it's time to deal with some stuff. I like to say, it's like, you know, when you're on a train, if you pull that train stop and the whole thing comes to a screeching halt, yes. that's exactly what happened in our world, but it happened globally. The whole yeah. world has come to a screeching stop. 
And it's like bringing it, up, it's a giving, I guess it's giving the world a chance to bring up these issues that mm -hmm. be addressed. Yep. It's, it's almost like the whole world stopped. And not only that, but now it's not just the emperor has no clothes. No one has any clothes. Everybody's been stripped down. Yes. And it's ugly. Yeah. And it's ugly. But that's okay. It's ugly and it's messy, but we got to get through this. Or else, I, I truly believe that the, the other difference is, is that if we don't solve this, we are going to implode. This is the last chance for the change. If it doesn't happen, I, I don't know what's going to be left afterwards. We will implode. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. it's because it has to be addressed. Like, yeah. It can't just. We don't have a choice now. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's big. That's really, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's what's hit me. And we have to, and the mess is everything. So what I said was, so this is physical disease, moral disease, spiritual disease, every kind of disease possible. If we do not take care of this, that's the implosion because wow. it's everything. Wow. Physical, moral, yeah. spiritual, health yeah yeah wow it's it's well but that includes everything social disease everything our environment environmental disease it's all come to full head at the same time and guess what we don't have a choice so it's heavy it's heavy it's heavy we are living through we are living through a moment that will mark history right now and I pray. Well, we were in the shift. Yeah. We are in the shift. And there are only, there have only been a couple of shifts throughout the world and the world's history. What we are, just happen to be in the middle. What are, well, I think you had one. I think you had one from, even if you want to go back to biblical times, you had a shift from the Romans. Okay, then you go to diseases. You've had the Black Plague, which shut down the whole world. Mm -hmm. Okay, then you've had wars that shut down the whole world. I don't know that we've had so many things that have affected the globe, where it's actually been able to stop the globe. And I think that that's what we're in now. And that's one of those major shifts that changes everything. We had a period where we went from the ice age into this age. And I do believe that there's a time when the earth has to change and there's got to be another shift on the axis. And that's what we're in the middle of. And that's why it is so difficult. And that's why so many things are happening. And that's why if we do not do what we're supposed to do, because that is part of the shift, we won't have anything left to change. You know, so there's just, there's no choice now. So let's get to work. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Because this isn't even about me anymore. This is about the next generation that's coming up. And the one after that and after that and after that. What is the new world going to look like? What is your hope for the new world? Oh, 
<laughs> wow. Um, that's a big question. Uh, obviously equality, but I'd really like to see humankind. I really would. And I'd like to see an evolution of the spirit. And I'm not talking religion or anything else, just an evolution of the spirit. I think it's time for man to evolve again. It's our obligation. It's our path. It's our process. So what I'd really like to see is an evolution of a more developed spirit. Because I think we've been in the Neanderthal, yeah, we've been in the Neanderthal stage for long. Yeah, more just compassion, more awareness mm -hmm. of a higher force. Is that what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean evolution of your spirit, that there's growth that happens, that the spirit is more than just you, me, and, you know, my dog, my child, my mom, my dad. The spirit is the collectiveness of everything. Yeah. That needs to change. That needs to evolve. What is your spirit? What do we, how do we navigate life? How do we live life? What do we leave life? What are we giving back? It's our spirit. Mm -hmm. Because that remains. The body goes, the spirit stays. Yeah. And that's evidenced by all of the tapes that we still live. Yeah. It is now our obligation to evolve as a spirit and take care of our world, take care of each other, take care of ourselves. Tony, you're so, so wise. You're so smart. I'm just old. <laughs> That's what I like to say to my friends. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just old. <laughs> I really, really appreciate you coming on here and having such a thoughtful, thought-invoking conversation with me and my listeners. Thank you for letting me have this conversation. I, Like I said before, it's awkward to have these conversations, but it has happened, and I'm just past the point of feeling awkward about it anymore. I just want to get in there and talk about it. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, I always end my interviews with leave your light. And what do you want people to know? Hmm. Um, wow. That's, that's a great question. Uh, that we all feel pain and we're all here to comfort that pain. We're all here to comfort that pain. And we all feel pain. The world, yep. the world is full of pain. It's so much pain. It's hard to bear. But that, you're right. We're all here to comfort each other's pain. So let's start viewing each other as real brothers and sisters and not putting up all these divides mm -hmm. all over the place and work as a big group effort. Let's be a better yep. team as a humanity. Yeah, let's just... Let's just be better. Yeah. I love that. You know, my last thought is that Maya Angelou has one of my favorite sayings. And she says, you do better when you know better. I love that saying. One of my favorite sayings. Mine too. So let's know better and do better. 
I love that, Tony. Thank you so much. And I want to thank you, my friend. I really do. This meant a lot. Oh, it, it did. And I so appreciate you. It means a lot to me <laughs> that you come on here and talk to me about this. I really appreciate you. So Mutual Admiration Club, I love you and I love your heart. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate this conversation. And I don't want to end the conversation without telling everyone where to go if they need a realtor in Nashville. So drop us your info and then I'll put it in the in my tag as well. But where can people find you? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> people can find you at Tony Thomas Realtor. So you'll spell mm -hmm. it out. T-O-N-I-T-H-O-M-A-S Realtor. R-E-A-L. T-O-R. T-O-R. Okay. <laughs> at Gmail. Okay. Or call me at 949-633-8658. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, my friend. Up and to you. you. Neighborhood soon. I know. And you and that beautiful baby and your beautiful husband. I so appreciate you. And I love you to the moon and back. Right back at you. Thank you so much. Much love to you, Tony. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now.